Welcome back to They Talk Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Elle Stanger. This is the Dominatrix episode. We're going to speak with our guest, Divine Theratrix, also known as Lara. Uh, did I say that correctly? Yeah, I was about to say thank you so much for getting that right. A lot of people read the name as Theatrix, ah. which sounds kind of fun and a lot of what I do is theatrical but it is Theratrix so yeah thank you oh how funny yeah I (laughs) I relate and my last name is you know Stanger but a lot of people think it's Stranger and they're Mm. like oh what a funny stage name and I'm like oh if only (laughs) (laughs) so we're gonna meet our Divine Theratrix Laura you can be found online divinetheratrix.com you can find me lstanger.com so you have a lot of studies and topics that you teach on or provide, I would argue. So you are a integrative therapist and a dominatrix, correct? Yes, yeah, certainly integrative therapist. And a lot of people see me as a dominatrix in the fetish or kink or BDSM space. And that is a label that I used to use for my work, but I have moved away from that somewhat. And I can speak more to that as we we get into it. Oh, okay. Lovely. Yeah, Mm. I'm interested. Is that how you started in the kink realm? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you're moving into more seated talking work. Yeah, it was more moving away from what I would define as fetish delivery. Mm. to using kink more as a vehicle to aid someone's personal development. Mm. Okay, okay, okay. I'm really interested to talk more about that as we go deeper. But since we're just starting out, we'll do a gradual disclosure so everyone's more comfortable. So what, how does therapy relate to your DOM work? I would say when I'm working with a client in person, you know, one-to-one, in a session if I am including kink in that then how therapy relates to it is that kink is only included in the session if it is going to advance some kind of therapeutic aim so it's more about the effect of the activities Mm. so it's not a therapy but I would say that what I do can have therapeutic qualities Mm, okay okay so yeah we just want to be clear so this is very much like a self-taught yeah wonderful okay so and that's some of the best providers truly because we're self-motivated we're not just doing rote work so what does your daily life look like related to any of this because I'm getting ideas of how this relates to what I do Mm. Uh, like I'm happy to step on someone's balls if I've explained to them that like you know, please let me know if this feels uncomfortable. And also you, you, you could fuck up your pudendal nerve. Like I do say that to people and, uh, okay. Informed consent. Um, you know, like I can be very transactional and informed about it, but also sometimes like people definitely come with a specific goal in mind, even if it's Mm -hmm. just to like be more comfortable with what they like or understand it better, Mm -hmm. you know, understand what does it mean? I want to be a sub, but I don't know how. Yeah. Yeah, I work a lot with curiosities like that where someone comes to me and they say, you know, I'm just curious to see how being tied up might affect me, what that would be like for me. Mm. 
<laughs> mm. yeah yeah it's like a discovery process and they want to see how it might affect their emotional state um, if it feels beneficial and i'm all for an experiment you know in a controlled environment with measures in place to ensure that everyone's safe being with the body as a laboratory as i like to call it so, okay i can get on board with that why do you want to do this what might that look like let's let's see a lot of what I do involves talking sessions, so one-to-one, online. That's usually how my interaction with a new client will begin. Uh, you know, I have quite a lot of sessions which are just pure counselling. You know, it's talking therapies, and I am considered to be a kink-friendly therapist, but someone who has actually seen and done most things. So if people want to talk about kink in their life or they want to understand things better, well, a lot of the time people come to me because they have doubts around how healthy their interest in kink is and they just want mm. to talk it through. Um, so, yeah, the start of the journey is often just talking things through. And that may or may not lead to an in-person session. Mm. Okay. So, yeah, quite a lot of my work is speaking to people one-to-one. And sometimes there will be sessions where I will craft an experience for someone to complement their healing process or their personal development goals. And it's so vast, you know, in terms of what those goals might look like or those processes, because everyone is so different and complex and and everything is very bespoke. Mm. So... I understand you want to be respectful and keep confidentiality for your clients. So are you able to give mm. any examples? I'll give you a few different ones. So I have, I've worked with a lot of autistic people. I mean, I'm autistic myself. Oh, me too. Um, oh my God. <laughs> right. Oh my God. <laughs> so many of us are, right? <laughs> so many sex workers are, I'm finding out. Yeah, wow. absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I've worked with autistic people that want to understand body language mm. better. And I find that primal play is really great for that because it's nonverbal mm. and it requires someone to navigate a space and another being purely on the basis of what they feel rather than what they oh, think. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, yeah go so, ahead. It's activating the instinctual self, which for overthinkers can be really helpful because it's helping them to learn to operate from a slightly different space. Mm. So body language and primal play and nonverbal play as a way to build trust or express boundaries or push with boundaries for fun. I'm trying to think... um, So I really always like to help my listeners like visualize and understand, obviously. Okay. Like we're here for a fun time, but really this show is educational. Mm. So like what I did one time, I'm just giving an example. This was not a client. This was a partner, but they were very, very kinky and receptive and kind of down for whatever. So it was a time in my life where I was figuring out, I think, how to set boundaries and, and do those things. So once I asked and I initiated, I said, I would like to set a timer for 30 minutes and we can fool around. Like we've, we've had a good sexual interaction. I said, we can, let's do whatever we want, but no talking. 
Right. So in order to communicate what was going to happen next, it was like grunts and like eye expressions and hand movements and point. It was so cool. Yeah. Right? It's so fun just to drop the trappings of humanity for a little while. Oof. (laughs) Can you think of, and I can't, the researcher, there's a man researcher who did a lot of work around play in animals and people, I think, play as therapeutic. Dr. Stuart Brown, I believe. Ah! written a lovely book called Play. Yeah. Oh, my God. Dr. Stuart Brown. That sounds right. Yeah. Great. Such a great book. Okay. Well, I need to read it. I saw him on Netflix somewhere and I was like, God, I got to come back to that Mm. guy. Okay. 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 So could you give maybe another example or is anything else coming to mind that you offer? Yeah. So another quite common reason why people come to see me, whether they're neurodivergent or not, they might be renegotiating their relationship to touch. Mm. So they might be aware that they have difficulty being touched by others and they have a real desire to, you know, begin to welcome that back into their intimate life. Mm. You know, they might have been very shut down for a while because they, you know, they may have had bad experiences, you know, which may have been traumatic or it could just be, you know, because of someone's autism that they're very sensitive and they might have been touched a lot when they didn't like it. Mm -hmm. And so they've put up some barriers. Mm -hmm. So you're crafting sessions that include sensory play and exploring different kinds of touch where they have control can be really helpful and empowering for them to begin to body map and discover what kinds of touch they might like and not like. Mm -hmm. And because it's me (laughs) and I'm a professional that they're paying, it's low stakes emotionally. So they generally feel much better to say to me, no, I don't like that or I want you to stop. So they feel safer trying it with me than they would with a partner, for example. Mm, Definitely. Okay. Mm. So what kinds of opposition to your work do you encounter, if any? Because it seems like the way you've built yourself, you're perhaps a little more protected because people are seeking you out. Yeah, absolutely. I am very careful not to be seen to be promoting anything as an answer to people's problems. And I'm not promoting what I do as a therapy. Mm-hmm. But what I will say is, look, if you're really interested in exploring this, you know, I'm not going to make you any promises other than creating a safe environment mm-hmm. for you to do this exploration with me. You know, I'll, I'll facilitate an experience for you. I'm not going to say it's going to solve all of your problems. And it's certainly not a therapy. Um, but I can be a guide. I can be a safe pair of hands. Mm-hmm for you to try certain things with Mm -hmm. it's a holistic uh body work absolutely yeah you know there are so many things that people can do for themselves as part of their overall wellness you know people might want to have some homeopathy or some massage or any amount of different things and no one frowns upon that it's just deemed to be something else that someone might do to feel a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I like to consider elements of aromatherapy in my providing. Like mm. I am not an herbalist. I wish I knew more about plants, but I am very mindful when I wear my scents because I seek out ones that are generally comforting and warm. And I know this is why a lot of people use vanilla, but I don't want to use vanilla because what if it's the perfume that reminds you of your ex? So I have something mm. made by a lady. And it smells like syrup, I'm told. 
And who hates syrup? I mean, honestly. (laughs) So I find that people tell me they're like, wow, like what a relaxing smell. And like, I'm actually a little aroused, you know, which can go either way. Uh, Maybe that's a surprise to them or they're like, fuck yeah, pancakes. I've heard before whispered into my ear. So, (laughs) right. So it's like, I think you and I have, it sounds like a very committed, holistic and curious approach to what we do. And we're self-taught in some senses. Uh, I went through a schooling program and I'm not doing the same work you're doing and I can provide, you know, info and resources. And it sounds like that's what you're doing here too. So how wonderful of us and understanding our limitations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so important when dealing with people that are in a vulnerable space. If someone goes to a professional for help, you know, there is a degree of vulnerability there. And Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to be very grounded yeah and you know not not to make huge promises and get people's hopes up because like as a provider traumatize them yeah absolutely you know someone thinks right this is the answer this is going to be the thing this is going to be the thing that changes everything Mm. so yeah I you know I'm really not into making any promises like that I feel like maybe tell me if you have ever experienced this have you ever experienced a kind of a resentment or rejection from clients or maybe even people in your social life, when they found out that you, in fact, could not solve all of their problems, even though you, you, you do offer to help things? You know what? I, I can't think of anything that I'm aware of. That's where... wonderful. What about yeah. clients breaking up with you because they got attached? No, that's not happened. That's and wonderful. I, I'm so careful with who I will engage with which is why I think an initial talking session is such an integral part of my client work Mm. because it's where I get to assess them Mm. okay because you know if, if I encounter someone and you know they're in crisis or you know they're really not taking care of themselves if I get the impression that they're looking for me to fill an emotional void I won't help them because, Mm. you know, essentially it's me then inviting that attachment. And ultimately when the work has to end, they'll feel abandoned. Mm. Mm. You know, I don't want that to happen. I want to make sure that whatever I'm offering someone, it's merely an add on to what they're already doing for themselves. Mm. That's wonderful. So that there won't be any codependency there. Mm. Good. That sounds great. See, yes. So back to my other question. It sounds like you've put up a lot of boundaries. So you're pretty protected and that's wonderful. Mm. Yeah. I need to stop making myself so available to people like on the internet <laughs> and in the strip club. I swear to God. Um, okay. So so what kind of opposition do you encounter? Any any opposition? So far, I think I've been really fortunate in that I'm a little bit under the radar in a way. You know, I don't shout too loud about what I do um, you know I think people coming to podcasts like this one right. they already have an interest so they're already kind of sympathetic to our cause right. in a way right right yeah I do have a really good listenership of mm. people that just I don't want to use the word curious again because I already used it but inquisitive mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish I had my thesaurus yeah. in front of me but uh, yeah so and it's really impressive too because there's I was stopped in uh, one of the clubs I was working by a 50-year-old man, big bald head tattoos, and he says, hey, I just really appreciate 
you know, harm reduction in the industry. So like, thanks for mm. being involved. And I was like, oh my God, like I never would have pegged you as someone who gave a shit. Mm. So it's nice. Those people are out there. Okay. So this is not on the outline, but uh, I was discussing how I was looking forward to recording with you with a friend who is kinky and not a sex professional, but a kinky person uh, with um, they, them pronouns. And uh, I thought, I think it's really interesting and I'd love to hear why you use pronouns. She, it, because mm. I was like, Ooh, tell me more. And my friend yeah. says, Oh, I don't like that. Like they had like an emotional response, which, you know, has to do with, with them. And that's because they've been misgendered and called it as, mm. you know, as a negative, as a slur. So that makes sense. But I haven't had that experience, so I would love to hear why you self-identify as it or yeah. she. Yeah, she, they, it. She, they, like it. Three. She, they, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gender fluid, gender queer. Um, I often feel very averse to being gendered um, mm. by people that don't know me. If, you know if they make an assumption which is quite often to call me a lady or something like that there's just something inside me that prickles mm -hmm, at it. <laughs> mm -hmm. like shrivels up uh, a little uh. yeah like oh mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I i feel like a creature that's where the it comes from <laughs> you know <laughs> most of the time i feel like a creature <laughs> i said i feel like uh, a beast that's yeah. funny yeah i'm a she they when me and my 11 year old uh were getting food in a restaurant a family restaurant and the server uh kept greeting us as hey ladies how are we doing ladies thanks ladies you know mm. blah, blah, blah. and like i know how i feel because i've always felt that way ever since i was a kid too it sounds like we have a lot of similar experiences mm. and, and my child actually brought it up too and <laughs> anyway so it's like i really there was that research you might have seen about how autistic and spectrum people often don't fit into gender roles or we just mm. don't we don't care we don't pay attention or we can't pick them up and yeah that's so true it's like yeah i am worm yeah like I, I, i'm a person yeah yeah i'm a person i'm a creature um the thing about being a man or a woman it's in my opinion social conditioning control of social reproduction and I don't want any part of that <laughs> I just want to be a person you know if you you're walking on the street and you see some dogs you don't think is that a boy dog or a girl dog you're like it's a dog <laughs> no silly <laughs> you, know, you don't care you don't care what what sex is like if it can make babies or not yeah you know it you know it's it's an animal and I just want to be an animal really mm, that's lovely because we are humans are animals I think we forget that a lot of the time you know we separate ourselves from the rest of the animal kingdom forgetting that we're actually just big silly hairless apes mm-hmm mm-hmm I woke up this morning and my paws <laughs> hurt from yeah. dancing last night. I can feel where a muscle is pulling and I really need a foot massage. So any of you foot people mm. out there, come to me, okay? It's been a while. Please, I'm begging you. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, get, get on that. Go and massage LC. Yeah, super, Pause. super subtle. <laughs> I don't need help at all. Uh, so, okay. So I woke up and I thought like... I'm really glad that I watched a lot of nature shows as a kid because nature is brutal and nature doesn't give a fuck and it's all about survival all the time. And 
I think about sometimes like I was like, okay, I am the mommy tiger and it's been a rough week at the hunt. <laughs> Literally is the thought I had this because yeah. that keeps me going because I do see a lot of my friends that are really caught up in how hard life is, but I just mm -hmm. have that understanding that that's just the way it is for every living thing. I love that you um, referred to yourself as a tiger as well. I'm very much into tiger vibes at the moment. Mm. It feels like it's necessary for this like point in the year just to like be a bit more tiger. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are you a dominant provider? You're not a submissive. No, I wouldn't be submissive in a professional context. And even in a personal context, I, I don't really perceive any of the intimate interactions that I have as me submitting mm. I I like to be fluid in how I play mm -hmm. in, the, in the same way that animals are you know if you, if you see dogs playing in the park I'll probably come back to the example of dogs a lot um mm -hmm. oh yeah I'm a dog person when, when they're playing you're not thinking oh look at that one being dominant and that one being submissive they're just engaged in this ebb and flow of play mm -hmm. a Oh gosh, what was it? It was some kind of it was a relationships and sociology college professor I said I had once where she said in a lot in a, in all relationships and in most healthy ones there is a constant ebb and flow of who is mm. either being dominant or submissive um you know not even intentionally but she said sometimes you know someone might comfort another person and that could be an act of you know either or like putting your hand on mm. someone or hugging them. So I like thinking of that, uh, like things always moving. Yeah, absolutely. And as I was listening to you, I was feeling more into this idea of ebb and flow and the words dominance and submission. And I think what I'm more warm to is an idea of being big or little. Mm. And that's something that I find often comes out in the primal play space is, you know, I invite people to consider do you feel big do you feel small how would your body communicate that because mm. sometimes we have different wants sometimes you want to be big and you'll show it and sometimes you want to be small and you'll show show that mm, that's so true and it doesn't have anything to do with power and control it's just a felt state mm -hmm. and how you want to be in a space and with another being at the time mm -hmm. Do you ever look at group photos and try to figure out how someone was feeling in that moment based on where they're leaning their head or puffing their chest or throwing their hands? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, Amy was not having a good time. Mm. <laughs> um, or maybe she was. Um, all right. So let's take a break. Everybody, if you haven't already, please go to divinetheratrix.com so you can learn more about Lara with the cool accent. I just love accents. I know we all have them regionally. <laughs> I just, it's, I, I, I also really like talking to Australians because they say the word sex like six. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Cam Fraser on that one. Um, okay, so we're going to take a break. Folks, look me up, theytalksex.com and now find us on Podorama. If you're wondering what that necklace vibrator is that you see me in photos or going on about on social media or in podcasts, visit theytalksex.com. You'll see a banner in the top right, free custom engraving, now waterproof. That's the Vesper 
Design Vibrator Necklace by Love Crave. They're really strong, surprisingly, for how sleek they are. And it is a fave, so no code needed. Just click the banner, visit theytalksex.com. Welcome back to They Talk Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Elle Stanger, speaking with Lara, aka the Divine Theratrix. So we are going to do listener questions. Okay. This is just, this is a random silly. Listener question one, what's the funniest or your favorite safe word you've ever heard? Oh, I got a really good one. Oh, this. good. Um, Ah, baby Yoda. Oh, baby Yoda. Because <laughs> it would never come into a scene. If someone's doing something like consensual, non-consent, in my experience, they'll generally pick something which is so out there that there's no doubt in their partner's mind if they use it that it actually means stop. Oh, that's so funny. Um, uh, I came totally unprepared with this one. I can only think of, let's see, Poodle is not a good one anymore because now I call the dog Poodle for the last few years <laughs> instead of his name, which is Lux Interior after the dead singer of the band, The Cramps. Um, <laughs> but I also call the boyfriend Poodle now and he calls me Poodle. So, <laughs> Oh, that's so cute. Thank you. But that one's out. You will get confused. Which Poodle are you referring to? <laughs> oh, absolutely. No, it's actually starting to happen. Good thing the dog is mostly deaf, so he doesn't get as confused. Um, banana seems to be a classic. Yeah, pineapple as well. I was just going to say pineapple. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. um, I feel it's just like objects. I think someone said basketball once because I've asked around. Uh, oh, I've got another good one. Mm -hmm. A friend of mine used to use, uh, which was safe word. Oh, yeah. Safe word. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's so good. That's so easy. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's a good, that's a good option. Hmm. I mean, it's exactly what it is, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. All right. Listener question two. Also, actually, to bring it back, folks, if you want to tell me your favorite safe word or the funniest one, you can write to me, theytalksex at protonmail.com. Okay. Laura, listener question two. How did you know that this work you're doing was your calling if it is hmm. yeah this is a little bit of a story mm. I was working full-time as a lawyer and I... I was very much engaged in the world of kink in my spare time so that was my secret life at the time so I had my real life as a lawyer and then I had my secret life in kink and I also had my interest in psychology because I was running my therapy business. I'm such a polymath. I always want to do all of the things all of the time. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'd begun to think about psychology and kink and the possibilities for therapeutic applications. Because, you know, I was seeing huge benefits to myself and to other people that I was playing with, you know, hearing if one talk about how wonderful it was for their relationships and their sense of well-being and I just began to think is there a way of combining my interests to make my secret life my real life because mm. I wasn't very happy in my job at the time and I've heard lawyers say that yeah <laughs> right burnout goodness um, I mean everyone says that yeah and then I stumbled across 
a pamphlet. So I was working in, I was due to work in the wellness area of a festival because I've been doing festival work for quite a few years as well, different mm. sorts of things, usually like in the wellbeing area. Mm. And the person who was running the wellbeing area shared this pamphlet and it was called Conscious Kink Can Save the World. Oh. Yeah. And I ordered a copy and as I was reading it, it was very validating for what I'd been thinking and I ended up reaching out to the person who had written the pamphlet and hmm. just saying can I meet you for a coffee I really want to chat to you about what you've written and so we met up we had some coffee and some cake hmm. coffee cake and kink chat and <laughs> it ended with me being mentored by this individual oh wow I made a decision I you know I want to make I want to make a new career of this you know I want to do it I want to make my secret life my real life you know this is what's taking up my, mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of my interest mm-hmm. um and you know there's someone out here that's doing it and can help me do it and that's that's how it began really mm. I mm. did not expect such a beautiful answer but I am so glad to receive one mm. wow I should uh you're really inspirational I need to get more organized <laughs> quite truly yeah listeners folks who've been with me for years um how old are you laura about if you don't mind me asking yeah i'm 38 okay i'll be 37 in a month so Mm -hmm. we also have it sounds like our fingers in a lot of pies and a lot of interest and on the break we talked about how we both have adhd Mm -hmm. uh is that fine that i mentioned that yeah absolutely i'm very open about my neurodivergence okay So I'm still figuring out my calling in this stuff too. And it's just so nice to really meet other people that are invested in the same journey, but also undertaking because the, you said the pamphlet, um, conscious Mm. kink can save the world. It just sounds like a beautiful evolution of our own special interests And again, this is why we should encourage people to nurture their special interests, because this is how you get experts on things. Yeah. (laughs) You know? So, all right, listener question three. Can you share a memorable session without outing anybody? Yeah. um, One of the first primal play sessions I did with someone, I had a really beautiful realization after this session maybe I'll describe what it was like first we created a little scenario imaginary scenario where we were two foxes Mm. that had encountered each other outside and began investigating and playing with each other as foxes might do and so this was a man and I'm I'm quite slim, mm-hmm. um, and this man was quite large, and he said that he just had this instant realization at some point through what we were doing that he was big. Mm. You know, it's this it embodied understanding of what it's like mm. to be larger than someone. Mm. And he said that it really changed the way that he navigated the world, especially around 
women or like you know smaller people and how he would take up space Mm. and I love body play for this reason in that it can teach you things which if someone told you the idea you know intellectually you might be on board with it but it wouldn't necessarily change Mm. anything that you were doing Mm -hmm. whereas feeling something it can just give you a much deeper understanding and this instant aha moment of oh actually I feel really big I'm going to actually change how I move around other people now Mm -hmm. and you know this isn't to shame people for size or anything like that but more just a general Mm -hmm. point around respect for space and boundaries Mm -hmm. oh wow that's wonderful when I started dating the person I'm dating I told my therapist I feel like we're two dogs circling each other (laughs) Mm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then last night I was chatting with a stripper co-worker uh, who's another non-binary probably neurodivergent person we talked about that too, they and I, and uh, they were saying that they recently realized how small they are and it really pisses them off. And I was like, mm. what are you talking about? To me, I thought, of course you're small. You weigh like 115 pounds and you're like 5'2". And uh, that was my size when I started dancing. So at that age, and I'm, I'm still only like maybe 10 pounds more now. So I'm a pretty small person. Uh, but I, I reconciled that and I've, I've had different awareness, but I was like, so interested to hear, what are you talking about? And their specific issue is that in their life, they have been literally picked up and moved out of the way or just Mm. pushed out of the way by bigger bodied people. Mm. And so the awareness of their smallness makes them feel even more vulnerable. And that's why they like wearing eight inch heels so they can actually tower over people for the first time. Mm. I just thought that was fascinating. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, some of us are very aware, I think, or some people hyper fixate. And then that can be very painful about if they're too, you know, short, tall, wide, skinny, whatever. But other people don't that going on. Right. Yeah. Some folks just don't think about it. To this, to that. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So how how beautiful. That's really sweet. That's a heart opening experience. The fox play that you mentioned. Mm. Yeah. Listener question four. How could I find classes for couples? Uh, about learning dom or sub play? I'm guessing they would like something available online because anything in person would be, that I'm aware of, would be in the UK. Um, Right. And there's a really wonderful lifestyle website that I've been contributing some educational material to. It's based in Germany, but they also... Um, focus a lot on the UK so you know it's available worldwide it's called joyclub.com and there are some really great kink educators on there um, you know sharing about exactly this sort of thing Mm, nice okay for couples so that's a website that's really worth checking out I would say okay cool so it's not just an educational site it's actually um, a lifestyle site where people can connect to other people with similar interests and find out about events oh cool in all different countries and chat to people which I think is so important when you know people might not have yet worked through any shame around their interests which you know might not be you know completely mainstream mm. you know, finding community can be really important for people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay so joy club that's cool something that sounds different uh so i like beducated.com they're also based out of germany that's funny and they mm. have uh videos and like worksheets and 
uh, stuff that you can consume like at home material, but it's not so much like it's not a social thing, but that could be another resource. Otherwise, I really hate Twitter now that Elon Musk has changed it to X or whatever, but I still mm. find a lot of interesting people on there. What about you? Yeah, I've got a great sex worker community on Twitter. I think it's my whole Twitter, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just doms and subs and everything in between. What is really. your, what's your Twitter handle? At Divine Theratrix. Beautiful. Okay. Yeah. So go to the internet. If you want to try to find classes for couples, there's also, there used to be Sex Positive World was an organization. Uh, there was Sex Positive Portland was like a meetup group. And then a lot of those people either worked in or owned or went to the, the venues, the sex clubs. So you just really got to start getting out there. But hopefully those two suggestions are helpful. Mm. I've heard all kinds of horrible things about FetLife and I don't know anything about FetLife. Yeah, I do have a profile on there, but it's very dusty in that I just never really access it because I find the platform a little bit inaccessible. I, I don't enjoy using it, mm-hmm. um, so I just avoid it. It seems like it's very dense and I don't have the time to go through and find things. Mm-hmm. Um, but some people love it because they get into very in-depth discussions. There are lots of forums, so people that like to be online and writing and talking about their fetishes quite like fet life and also it's great for people that wish to remain anonymous mm-hmm. for people that completely separate their personal lives from their kink lives will quite commonly use fet life mm. because they'll go by a different name and it, you know it's not attached to any personal profile so if they need to remain incognito then fet life can be a great way for them to find out about events and make connections to people reddit everything you just said also makes me think of reddit I don't, mm. I don't love Reddit. It also feels very dense and a lot to go through, but people can be anonymous and, you know, forums and such. So, all right, listener, question five. So to you, Laura, is there an ideal client type or things that an ideal client does? Mm. I really love to work with people that have a clear idea of what they want to achieve. So someone who's already motivated to make some changes in their life Mm. and they come to me saying, right, this is, this is what I want to do. And I, I can say, all right, let's talk about how I might facilitate that. Oh yeah. Okay. So it's a co-creation, it's a collaboration rather than someone just showing up and expecting me to have all the answers and to fix things because that's really not what I'm here for. I think about how I do that kind of work sometimes, but also I'm really glad to not have to do that because that is a, a that can be a mental load for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I'm sure you're well. Emotional, with it. emotional labor. Mm, quite. Yes. Okay. And then also you will never be an ideal client type if you haggle prices. <laughs> yeah. I'm like no matter what, <laughs> like <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Like if you, if you can't afford it, then that's, you know, that's okay maybe save up or just go to another provider yeah Um, I yeah yeah, I like to be sliding scale depending on what I'm doing if I can offer that to people but also like we said before this is emotional labor and time yeah I actually offer three different price tiers for everything that I do and I let people pick the one that is within their means Mm, yeah I do that for porn I said uh, someone asked me last night an email and um, I'm 
$50 minimum to $150, depending on if it's like a minute or 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so everyone, this is the Dominatrix episode with Divine Theratrix, Laura. Find them, divinetheratrix.com. You can find me, your host, L Stanger. You can find me downtown Portland strip clubs three nights a week, usually Tuesday, Saturday, and Sunday, either at X or Kit Kat Club. Ask for me. People are like, what name do you dance under? L. It is L. L all the time. And then check the patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows for daily updated behind the scenes. It's Elle here with a juicy secret. You have so many options for your relationship structure. Best-selling author, New York Times, and NPR contributor Dr. Jolie Hamilton is the expert who helps people custom design relationships to get more of what they want. Dr. Jolie's highly coveted program, The Year of Opening, is for people who are ready for more. To join the waitlist and get first dibs on a one-to-one call with Dr. Jolie at no charge, sign up for free now at theyearofopening.com. Welcome back to the Talk Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Elle Stanger. This is the Dominatrix episode. So did you know you or I, Lara or Elle, and other sex workers listening and not listening can be banned from things like ordering DoorDash? So this was a Daily Dot article. Dominatrix says she was banned from ordering DoorDash. This was posted April 6th of 2022. Opening line, a tech researcher at UCLA is claiming DoorDash disabled their account for engaging in sex work, according to a Twitter thread. This was written by someone called Jacob Seats. So Olivia Snow, who is a professional dominatrix and a researcher at the UCLA Center for Critical Internet Inquiry, said her account on Caviar, which is owned by DoorDash, was previously disabled for a violation of terms and conditions on the app. The specific violation was never disclosed. But Snow claims this was because of cross-platform data sharing. I was kicked off Tinder for soliciting, and I wasn't soliciting. So I think someone reported me. And then, of course, there's sex workers kicked off of PayPal, Venmo, Cash App all the time because it says, right, that we can't use Mm -hmm. those for uh, adult-related entertainment. Do you ever worry about stuff like this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am very involved in the sex workers union in the UK. Um, So I am always hearing about people that have had their social media platforms taken away, their payment processes. Um, A friend of mine recently had her Stripe account taken away. And although she is a well-known porn star, she also has other businesses where she runs events um she has a latex Mm. shine company and so you know to sell those products and to take payments for those events that's not in breach of the terms and conditions Mm -hmm. at all and yet she's had her account taken away now she has no means of taking (sighs) payments and you know this sort of financial discrimination is happening Mm -hmm. all of the time and it is a worry because even if you're not in breach, trying to actually contact the companies and then make your case can be virtually mm-hmm. impossible mm-hmm. sometimes. 
you know they don't have a transparent appeal process it's like their decision is often Mm -hmm. quite final and then you're just stuck yeah certainly you mentioned uh sex workers union uk can you tell me more about that Mm. yeah so it's a trade union do you have um, a trade union i mean are you you're a stripper right so are you unionized is that no there's one i think there's two clubs in America that might be unionized. I could be so wrong about that. I know that one of them just became unionized down in LA. Um, I am really on the fence about it personally. I just don't know enough and I fear regulation because mm. what happens in Oregon quite often is every couple of years, someone gets the idea that we should all be employees, which can be very unhelpful in some circumstances. Mm. So I'm just watching and learning. So I'm really interested to hear what that's like for you over there. Is there a website or any? I see SW Union UK on Twitter. Okay. Yep. Cool. Okay, I'm going there now. Mm. Oh my God, I follow them. Yay. Yay. Sex workers are making (laughs) moves uh, for safer and equitable working conditions. Oh, and they are for decriminalization of sex work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that's the, the biggest mm-hmm. thing that we want, really, as a community, is decrim. You know, we don't want regulation mm-hmm. either. We want full decriminalization. You know, if you bring in regulation, all you're doing really is making mm-hmm. the government the pimp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we don't want that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> we just wish to be on an equal playing field with anyone else who runs a business, like having access to bank accounts and payment processes. Mm-hmm. And labor rights in whatever form, you know, we have obviously different uh, labor laws in the UK to USA, and we've essentially got three different classes of employment status, ranging from fully self-employed or freelance Mm -hmm. running your own business at one end with, you know, virtually no employment rights, Mm -hmm. but you get other benefits Mm -hmm. instead, Um, like being your boss, et cetera. And then at the other end of this, yeah, at the other end of the scale, you've got employees you know and that's more of a relationship of control but you get the safety mm. so, you know it's, there's a, mm-hmm. a give and take with either position but in the middle we have this kind of hybrid position which is called mm. worker status and what that means is that you're not considered to be running a business on your own account but you're not a full employee either so you mm. get some employment rights um mm but not all of them. And like strippers are generally considered to fall within this middle status uh, Mm -hmm. category most of the time of worker because the clubs are saying they have to work in a particular way usually. So, you know, there are, they can't just decide how they work necessarily Mm -hmm. like you would do if it was your own business. You all have to wear stiletto heels or like there's a six inch minimum or no ponytails or no rap music or no country music or whatever. Yeah, exactly. But, there are some protections that come with worker status that would also come with being an employee, such as the right not to have unlawful deductions taken from your pay. Because I, I see this a lot with clubs just taking advantage of vulnerable workers because most strippers wouldn't complain mm-hmm. or wouldn't bring a legal case if a club just arbitrarily decides to take a bunch of money off you yeah it's really there's nothing you can do because there's like almost no one you can appeal to there's really yeah. no one you can appeal to yeah yeah what are you but gonna in do in the uk yeah. we, we you can put a claim into the employment tribunal on the grounds of being a worker huh. to reclaim the monies that you're owed huh 
I would be so interested to learn more about what that's like from people who specifically work stripping over there. Have you ever, do you have friends in the club or can I ask, have you worked as a stripper? So I've never worked in a strip club myself, but I do have friends. It sounds like you have a good understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. Okay, cool. So Sex Workers Union UK. Yeah, it's usually, I mean, I'm interested in labor rights as long as sex workers are the one organizing them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, quite often, yeah, it's, 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 you know, supposedly done on our behalf. In California, there was a bill called AB5 that passed a few years ago, and that basically allowed clubs to name strippers as employees or force them to be considered that. So a mm. lot of clubs, I was told, a lot of dancers told me that they were fired from their club because the club wasn't suddenly going to be paying like 100 dancers or 50 dancers. So they just fired the least popular ones and kept the most popular ones. Um, I heard from some that the COVID relief was better if you're considered an employee. So that's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's so complicated. Yeah, I know. Right. You really have to weigh up all the factors. Right. And then people are like, I'll just become a whore because I don't want to do a real job. And I'm like, yeah, it's advertising is tough. Getting paid is tough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Censorship is tough. <laughs> yeah, it's not just one job. You're doing all of the jobs, marketing oh. and yeah, everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Certainly. Okay. So who you mentioned your mentor situation earlier. And I wasn't anticipating hearing that. So I was going to ask you, who inspires you currently besides who did you learn from? I would say it's all of the sex workers that I'm connected to and -hmm. collaborating with, you know, whether it be in the union, you know, I'm in a lot of different group chats Mm. and it's just such a supportive community and everyone's so motivated and they're out there you know, working not just really hard to make a living, but to make changes for the good of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I, I just haven't seen this energy really in any other industry that I've worked in. Mm-hmm. This like real solidarity, um, and a sense of being part of a wider family. Mm. So when you're so marginalised, you kind of have to stick together. Yes, and. Like, I know if there's anything I need, I just put out a shout out and there'll be someone, you know, that can help mm-hmm. vice versa. You know, we're always helping each other out. Gosh, so much. Yeah, truly. Yeah. I really do like this work. Mm. Even though it's, I mean, obviously I like it because, well, actually not obviously. Well, yeah, I mean, I make a podcast about it, so I like it. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. We like talking about it. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay. So I want to spend a little more time on this one than usual. Uh, I do ask every guest this, do you have any sex tips for our audience? Mm, Yeah, I can think of a few. Um, I guess one of the ones that I commonly dish out if I'm approached by a person or a couple who are not having a great time in their sex life, I usually say, just take sex off the table for a while. Hmm. just you know because you're putting yourself under pressure you're worrying about it just agree that for whatever period of time you're not going to have you know a 
I don't know, sex, what, what would sex even be? Whatever they would define as sex, whatever the thing is that's making them anxious, just mm. take that off the table for a while mm-hmm. and focus on your communication and intimacy and enjoying each other in other ways. Mm. You know, all kinds of touch and play, you know, whether it be primal play or massage or just experimenting with other things. Because there's so many ways to be intimate. And I think a lot of the time people lose their confidence. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, certainly losing their confidence. That's a good one. That could be kind of fun. That could be a game where it's like you're not allowed to have sex for, you know. Yes. So, you know, see how long you can go until you're just <laughs> Yeah, I mean denial denial is hot. Denial can be so hot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tease and denial. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, thank you so much for being here. It was delightful speaking with you. I if I could ask one more thing, where where would you like to go with your work? Do you see anything you would like to expand into, although you are doing so much already? Mm. Oh. Well, I'm really enjoying offering some small classes for people, including my animal play class. So I've been taking that on the road this year to some festivals. So it's been really great to introduce it to people that have no experience of kink. And it's a really lovely, friendly, accessible way for people to engage with something that they might have previously discounted or thought was a bit weird. And they're actually then just seeing and experiencing, this is quite fun. So I'd love to do more of that and expand the kinds of classes that I'm doing just to you know raise awareness of kink as something that's actually just another form of play that adults do it's not unconventional sex it's just another way that we play mm-hmm. so i'd love to yeah push that agenda a little bit more mm-hmm. come back to this idea of human beings are built to play and we learn through play and it makes life enjoyable and worth living mm. so let's not judge each other for that mm. play so makes life worth living yeah <sighs> Yeah, that's that's the agenda. That's the queer autism agenda. Yes. Play more. <laughs> yeah. Play more. Be happier. Get that dopamine. Okay. Thank you so much for being here, Laura. Um, I'd be happy to reconnect with you in the future, and I'm really excited to see what else you do. Everyone find it, she, they, divinetheratrix.com, and you can find me, lstanger.com. Until next time. Mm-hmm.